Welcome to That Mom Life, the village of moms supporting moms and other dads too. And today I've brought in my first far away guest. And my far away guest is one of my favorite people in the radio community. Her name Aww. is Lee. Do you want me to use your last name? Do you care? Yeah, I don't care. This is Lee McNabb. Lee, what city are you currently in? I'm currently in West Des Moines, Iowa, the lovely flyover city of West Des Moines, Iowa. The flyover city. And the whole reason I wanted to have Lee on is because Lee's story is unlike any other you now have three kids under the age of one so really the only thing i can do is say start at the beginning from before baby one because you're in radio your husband's in radio which already this is not a normal situation so you guys were very open you started with fertility issues correct yeah so um i had been married before and knew that i had some fertility issues and so i was really open with my husband mike going into our relationship if we want to have kids there's going to need to be some science involved and probably a lot of money um And so right when we got married three years ago, we started with um, our fertility treatments and, um, you know, right away, they kind of skipped the here, try this pill here, try this thing sort of stuff. And we jumped right into IUI Uh, and what does IUI stand for? Interuterine insemination. There we go. Jeez, mom brain. Um, That's a hard one. And yeah, Um, but I did it enough. You'd think I'd know what it stands for. So we did that four times. The first three were a bunch of different medications. Um, I'd go in for uh, an ultrasound in my cycle. They'd see what, if any, eggs had been released. Then there'd be this big trigger shot right before the insemination that would like give them all a big boost. And then my sweet husband would do his business at home <laughs> into a little cup. I would put said cup in my cleavage to keep it warm because it was winter. And don't think one time I didn't go into work first because I had to do something with my husband's spunk in my boobs. Um, and then this real is life. so glamorous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? How did you conceive your daughter? Well, um, it was nothing romantic. I'll tell you that much. Um, and then I would go to the lab. They would take his specimen back there. They would spin it around and do whatever they did with it. And then they would take like a really long little tubish thing and they would lay me on a table and they would inseminate me. And so the first three times, that's how it went with no luck. The fourth time, which was happening um, during the final days of my father's life and his um, passing. So generally you would say those kinds of stressful times are not times to conceive a child. You probably aren't gonna have the best of luck. Apparently I really do well uh, under pressure. Um, I would also have to say perhaps that was your father's gift to you. Oh my gosh, well it is. and and hold on to your hats because um, I was home with my, I was here in Des Moines with my father. He was in hospice. I drove back to Kansas City for that day's insemination. Now this particular round was all of that medication plus shots every day in my stomach um, that I gave myself. And then this really big trigger shot and I took us the night before. So I did all of that here in Des Moines while I was with my dad. And then that particular day was a Monday. I remember I drove back to Kansas City where I was living at the time to see our fertility doctor gathered up the specimen from Mike went to the doctor good had job the Mike. insemination and my poor my poor Michael who got absolutely no loving out of this situation um, <laughs> and then uh, they did the insemination and I drove right back to Des Moines um, Two weeks later, my father passed away, and the day of his funeral, I found out I was pregnant. 
Oh my God. So yeah, it still gives me chills saying that. So really, you know, I don't know who believes in what, but there was some sort of circle of life situation there. Um, and I was just going to say so, it's the circle of life, like blaring, like yeah. here out with, yeah. with the passing of one is the introduction of another in the most like on the same day. Oh, craziness. I also think too, um, it was, it was a positive thing to distract me from all of the sadness in my life. Like I've talked to my mom a lot about, um, how she and I grieved differently when my father passed. And I think it's because I had something else so positive and present in my life every day that I didn't, um, get the opportunity really to dwell on, on the sadness. Um, and so there's probably some, you know, divine intervention there as well because, Sadness isn't really my thing. So, um, and whose is it really? But, um, so that day of my father's funeral, I find out I'm pregnant. I take a test again the next day and the next day and the next day, and they're all positive. Um, and so we go from there, four rounds of IUI, and we have our daughter, and it's uh, a pretty easy pregnancy, other than, you know, I was sick the whole time. Of but course. Got medicine for that. Um, you know, worked. I, I uh, programmed a radio at the time. I programmed a different radio station, but programmed a radio station, did all my work things. The only thing I didn't get to do was go on our annual trip to Napa, which oh. that's where you and I met. This is where Lee and um, I met. With We both programmed similar radio stations. And so I met her. Yes. And the first time I met her, she said, my name's Lee McNabb. And I thought she said her name was Lima, which like Lima, Peru, which makes no sense. <laughs> but in radio, people have weird names. So like, I suppose it's possible. <laughs> or you'd had way too much wine, Sarah. We were too also possible. Napa with like buses taking us everywhere. But you're right. You did. We did have to miss our uh, annual Napa trip, which is quite I nice, did. but totally worth it. Did well. Did, it's funny, though, because the first thing when I told Mike that I was pregnant, he was like, is this real? And then he goes, oh, man, we're going to miss Napa. And I'm like, really, dude? That's Thousands of at? dollars to conceive this child, and that's what you're worried about? So yeah. did do you think when, maybe not so much while you were pregnant, but once you had your daughter, that also helped your mom with the grieving process? I think so. And w that comes into play a little bit later, too, because as this story unfolds, my mom becomes more and more a part of um, our lives and so the baby. You're, you're now eldest daughter just turned one in January. Her name is Britton, and she turned one on January 23rd. Um, we had a hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog birthday party because that is her favorite song <laughs> of all time. And she's obsessed. And so we just put it on loop and had hot dogs and Mickey Mouse decorations. It was a very low-key birthday party, and you'll find out why here soon. But Well, um, we, yeah. can, we can go ahead and, well, first of all, you're amazing for most people – not most people I've heard and you probably know even more than this clearly like one in eight women have fertility issues and mm -hmm. this is a struggle that a lot of women don't even talk about and you were very public to the point of using your own platform of radio a podcast and you and Mike talked about this and we should also mention your husband is also in radio so I'm sure your yes. velvety voices together on a podcast talking about fertility was both entertaining um 
but also wonderful to listen to. Mm. So it was pretty um, raw too. I mean, I he would be like in the intro, I'd be like, "Yep, she cries on this one again," because I just like you know frustrations or joys or whatever. He would uh, give warnings to my mom at the beginning of the podcasts if I said bad words because um, it's you rarely do. Women, like you said, I do. But there were some situations in there where I it had to happen. Did you and have, did you ever feel like it wasn't going to happen for you? Oh my gosh, yeah. And and I just recently had a conversation with my mom because she now has five grandchildren. And I said, did you ever think you would have five grandchildren? And she said, you know, there was a time in my life where I was okay with it, but I didn't think I would have any because my sister waited a little later in life to have kids too. And and so to, yeah, absolutely. And, and I was just starting to come to terms with the fact that, I mean, you know, Mike and I had and have, but had a really fun, crazy life. We went to concerts three nights a week and, you know, we were music radio and um, we went to all the fun restaurants and we traveled a lot and we, you know, lived in a cool loft downtown Kansas City. And so I was just kind of starting to come to terms with, well, if this IUI stuff doesn't work out and I don't think we can afford in vitro, um, we're just going to be like that really cool aunt and uncle who never really grow up kind of thing, you know? And then you get the pregnancy test, which I, I have to say, hearing that story, there's got to be some sort of divine intervention there. I mean, and sure. the other thing is, is that you think growing up when you're just a female, like, oh, someday I'm going to get married and then it's just going to be easy. We're going to have sex. That's what my body's made to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to get pregnant. And then you're mm-hmm. on the unglamorous side of you had to take shots every single day in mm-hmm. your body. And I can only imagine what the bruising was. And what the pain was to go through that every single day with the thought of this wasn't how I thought this was going to be. I mean, just down to what you said, you had to carry your husband's precious seed in your bosom. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) do you ever see those pictures on um, Facebook of uh, couples who end up conceiving a child after lots of fertility? Yes. They they perfectly place all the like shots and the vials and the pill bottles and everything. Like who has the space to contain all of that biohazardous waste? Like I initially thought, sure, I'll keep all of mine and I'll make a pretty picture someday. Where do you keep used needles for that long? Like, so I'd get up in the morning, I would hop in the shower, he would take care of that. And then by the time I was done getting ready, he would hand it to me and then I'd put it in my bra and out the door I'd go. Because you'd have less than an hour, is it, to get it to the doctor? Yep. Okay. Unless I had to stop by work first, you know. So unless you had to do that. And then did you tell people, hey, guess what I've got hiding in my bra? I totally told my morning show. I love that. My future child could be in this room right now. Oh, see, (laughs) these are reasons why we're friends and why I wanted to talk to you because a story unlike any other. So the the story gets really interesting because yay, after infertility issues and you got through IUI, you've made your beautiful daughter. And then all of a sudden, I see a new announcement on social media that you're pregnant with twins. And I would just like to say, holy shit. How did that happen? Go big or go home. Well, so... You know, uh, six week postpartum appointment when after you have a child, you go back to your doctor six weeks later. And that's generally when they give you the official AOK that you can have sex again, yeah. you can use a tampon if and when you get your period back, that kind of stuff. And so I, I follow the rules. I'm a good patient. We waited the six weeks. I go to my appointment. They say everything's all good. We go home. And that I think that was probably sometime during the week. But I know that Sunday... Britain laid down for a nap. 
I flicked my husband and said, hey, we've got a couple minutes. Let's go. Nap time is the best time. Wait, so you conceived the twins naturally? Naturally. (gasps) Lee! Yes. Naturally. There's no way in hell any sane person, and I don't think any doctor, would have helped me conceive children that quickly afterward, nor did I plan on it. But let me give you my, my... my conversation with our doctor at that six week appointment, they also talk to you about birth control. Of course they do. And they say, what kinds of birth control do you want to be on moving forward? Doctors don't recommend you have another baby for at least a year. I didn't know if we wanted to have another baby, quite mm-hmm. honestly. I was 38 years old. Um, you know, if we were going to have to go through fertility again, could we afford it again? All that kind of stuff. So when I'm at this six-week appointment, I tell the doctor, we've made the decision not to do any birth control. I said, if I get pregnant again, then we need that to happen sooner than later because of my age. And if it happens naturally, that's awesome. I don't know that we're going to be able to afford to do fertility again. And so it's just kind of a risk we're willing to take in my mind thinking, there's no way in hell that happens. I'm 38 years old. I've never been pregnant in my life other than when it was scientifically um, you know, assisted. Um, and I just thought if it happens, it's a miracle and there's one more baby and we're good, but more than likely that's not going to happen. So why put the hormones in my body and waste, you know, waste the money. I just cannot Um, believe after all those years with your prior marriage with Mike, all of the treatments, one nap time, afternoon, fun time turns into twins. What did your doctor say? My, my doctor, um, was a little skeptical when I went back. First of all, let me tell you how I kind of figured this out. I was going to say, yeah, I feel Um, like I need to back up before the doctor, you had your nap time, fun time, you've got a newborn at home. And then all of a sudden it's like, had you, well, I have to ask, have you, had you started your period yet after having the baby? I had, I'd had one. Okay. You had had one. Okay. So then now you're into the point of, wait, did I, am I late? But I, but I'd always had very irregular periods. That was part of my polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, which is why I had the fertility issues in the first place. And, um, I was just kind of getting back into real life. I just gone back to work. Um, uh, who knew when I went back to work, I was already pregnant by the way. Um, I just gone back to work and uh, one of our record reps, my friend Robin was in town and we went to go grab a drink and uh, I ordered a Tito's single tall and they were like, single? That's that's not like Lee. Lee's a double tall kind of gal. I said, well, I'm not really feeling it. I'm just getting back into the swing of things. Haven't had a drink in like a year. And that Tito's didn't taste very good. Now, listen, your girl loves some Tito's. Lee loves her some Tito's. She really does. (laughs) (laughs) Wine country aside, give her some Tito's. Right. Right. The fact that the Tito's isn't going well and we're eating nachos and those aren't going well either. That's like what I sustain life on is Tito's and nachos. (laughs) So I go home and I'm like, could I be pregnant? Earlier in the week, I thought I had like maybe a little flu and whatever. And so I go upstairs. I still had, um, this is not an exaggeration. I still had probably 200 pregnancy tests. I bought them in bulk. Um, Yes, you did. You went to Costco and you said, give me all of them. Yes. So I took three. I came downstairs and I said, I think I'm pregnant again. And I honestly thought Mike was going to leave. And he looks at me and he's like, 
okay, well, go make an appointment. Let's figure it out. That could be kind of exciting. I was like, oh. So he was chill about okay. it? So he was super chill about it. I don't know if he had been drinking. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> he maybe was, was in disbelief, too. Well, sure, yeah. And then I convinced myself that, like, maybe there was some sort of leftover hormonal goop in my body that was, like, mm -hmm. tricking. I've heard about the, the goop. Tests. <laughs> right. It's a very scientific term. <laughs> um. And so I went to the, the appointment alone. He was home with Britain, and I went to the appointment. And it was like, well, if I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. We've done this before now. Um, and they said, you know, it's really soon after having a baby, and you're of advanced maternal age. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Bleh. Um, we should do an ultrasound. And so I lay down and come to find out I am almost eight weeks pregnant. I look up at the screen, and there are two little sacks there and i said oh my gosh is it twins and the uh ultrasound tech said oh i'm so glad you saw it yourself i didn't know how i was gonna tell you oh my god i have chills all over my body <laughs> what was your reaction did you sit in silence did you sob i laughed hysterically like i couldn't catch my breath laughing so hard um <laughs> I just kept saying, that's hilarious, that's hysterical, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And the tech just kept saying, you're gonna be okay, it's gonna be all right, you're gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. And you know, she like helped me up from the table and like walked me out, made sure I wasn't gonna like pass out or anything. And she um, took a picture, you know how they print out the yeah. um, ultrasound, and she put A and B and then it's twins at the bottom. I have a video. I, I um, set up my phone in our house so when Mike came in that day, um, he, there was like a little bag they'd given me at the uh, the OB with like all the new mommy stuff they give you when you find out you're pregnant. So he sees that bag sitting there when he walks in and he goes, oh, by the look of this bag, I'm guessing it's true. And then he comes in, I hand him the picture and he looks... And probably for a good two minutes, he just goes A and B, A and B, A and B over and over and over and over again. And then finally he fell to his knees and said, oh, shit. And then, <laughs> there it is. <clears throat> and then that was that. And I was pregnant with twins and on with the show. I so, OK, I, I always I don't know. I get the difference between these mixed up. Is it fraternal twins or are they, what is, what are they? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a boy and a girl. So they cannot be identical because a boy and a girl bits. Yeah. So they had separate sacks. They had, um, separate, uh, placentas. So if you're going to have twins, this is the best and by best, I mean, safest scenario because it's basically like two individual pregnancies. Um, it's like two people having separate rooms in the same apartment kind of thing. So, okay. I, my, my brain is trying to wrap my head around all this because I never asked. I wasn't going to text you and be like, hey, did you go back to the doctor or did you guys just like have sex? Like, that's just not a question you typically ask, which is why I've been curious about this since I heard that you got pregnant, which I immediately texted you guys like, oh, my God, I cannot believe you are pregnant <laughs> with twins never and you have a newborn at home. I mean, at this yeah. point, your OB and the nurses there must be your best friends. 
Oh my gosh, they, first of all, we had the best doctors and nurses and OB and everything in Kansas City. When we moved to Des Moines um, midway through the pregnancy with the twins, that was a big loss for us because we loved them. They loved us. We did not find as great of a practice here as we had there. And we'd spent a lot of time together. So, um, so yeah, they were in shock. <clears throat> I actually ran into my fertility doctor at the OB shortly after I found out I was <laughs> pregnant with twins and uh, I just stuck my head and I said hi I don't know if you remember me and she's like oh Lee and I said yeah we, you know we just had our baby that you helped us conceive and I'm pregnant with twins and she was shocked I mean just floored so I guess it doesn't happen that often so do twins run on either side of your family yeah, so my grandfather was a twin, a fraternal twin. Um, their names, by the way, were Cleophia and Claricia. Shut and up. My family <laughs> wanted me to use those names. No. And no. I politely declined on those gems. <laughs> yeah. What were their nicknames? <laughs> Not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, oh my God. and Claricia. You need a reality show, like, real bad right now? Okay, so you're in Kansas City. You find out you're pregnant with twins. You're running mm-hmm. a radio station. Your husband is also a radio personality. And then you mm-hmm. guys make the decision to move back to Des Moines, correct? Yeah, so when you have three babies in one year, you quickly reevaluate a lot of things, including um, <clears throat> your support system. Now, we had awesome friends in Kansas City, amazing friends um, who are like family to us still, but they had their own lives and they had their own kids and they had jobs and they had all those things. And we knew when we had three babies under a year, so essentially triplets, um, we were going to need a, a lot of help. Um, And so we crunched some numbers and whatever, and we decided initially that I was going to stay home and Mike would work and we would stay in Kansas City, but that I'd be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, Three babies in daycare or bringing in a nanny, uh, you know, not cheap. Um, And so... It was going to cost us between thirty and forty thousand dollars a year just for their childcare, and we thought, okay, I'll, I'll just stay home. So I actually gave my notice at the radio station, gave my two week notice. Mike signed a new contract; he was going to work. I was going to stay home. Well, the day after I gave my notice, I was um, hospitalized in um, the intensive care unit for eight days with pneumonia. So now we have my sweet husband working, trying to take care of a then seven-month-old. I'm in the ICU, pregnant with twins, with pneumonia, and it was pretty scary. Um, And he calls my mom and has my mom drive down from Des Moines to Kansas City is about three hours. In all of that, we realize we really need family closer than three hours even. That if something like this happens, if one of us isn't able to parent, you know, he was struggling with work and the baby and me and all of those things. Well, what if it was work and three babies and me and nobody is right there to lend a hand like a mom can lend a hand. There is a complete um, difference in grandparents being being involved in um, aunts and uncles, grandparents, family in general. They're just there in a different way than a paid babysitter. And I mean, especially when you're right, because moms and dads don't have time to get sick, let alone something beyond a simple cold or flu. You're in the hospital. I mean, once you have kids, you go back to the fun time radio life that 
we all were able to lead at a point in our lives. You reevaluate what it's like to move for a job or go on a fun weekend trip or an overnight or suddenly the support system around you means more than anything because you can't do anything like from a job perspective without that support system. And so I had, you know, I had been working toward this place in my career for 20 years and had just given my notice and um, was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And so you're right, reevaluating and realizing it was time I stayed home with my kids instead of um, continuing to pursue this radio thing for the moment. Well, as I'm in the ICU, I get an email. Um, You're checking your email in the ICU? I know. Well, I got a text to check my email. How about that? I got a text to check my email. Okay, that's better. That's better. Um, And it was from a former employer here in Des Moines offering me a job. And it was kind of like the stars aligning because... Mike and I had just started having the conversation about how scary all of this was and how we really needed to be closer to family. We'd already made the decision that I was going to stay home. So we'd already made the decision that one of us was going to be a stay-at-home parent. This job offer came through out of seemingly out of nowhere in my hometown, right by my family for quite a bit more money. Um, and when we crunched the numbers, it made sense for us to move here. He gave his notice, quit his job. Um, and now we live in Des Moines and I work full time at 93.3 KIOA for Saga Communications. And, uh, when I go back to work on Monday, that's when my maternity leave is Uh, over. I'm sorry. Um, he's going to be a stay at home dad. See, and this is crazy. I, I do feel like everything happens for a reason, whether, I mean, yes, you were using science the first time you had a surprise with the second time, but just the way that you got the email or the fact that you found out you were pregnant the first time, the day of your father's funeral and the craziest way. Sometimes you just see stars aligning and something that's so out of your control. And then it happens for a reason. And with Mike, and that's what I love about the relationship between you two is that he supports you in every single way to the point where he's willing to quit his job so you can go back to work, which is not necessarily the norm by typical standards. So how does no, he sure. how does he feel about being a stay at home dad? I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because his career while we were both in radio was a little bit different in mine and that he has been um hosting successful talk shows this whole time. So four hours of talking, 13 years um, in sports talk, and then four years in news talk. And um, his show was number two, six plus in the market. It was doing great. You know, he was hitting all of his ratings bonuses and he was um, just really making a name for himself in Kansas City. Um, So it's going to be interesting when I go back to work. Um, There's a sense of ego that comes with this business. Oh, a sense of 100%. Yeah, wanting to be the center of attention and performing a little bit and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's something that he did four hours a day every day for almost 20 years. So that's my biggest concern with him, with me going back and really settling into day-to-day life and him not having that specific outlet to shine because that's really how he's identified himself and who he is for almost two decades. Um, I will say that he's had some great opportunities in the podcast world, you know, like we're doing now. Um, he's got uh, a couple podcasts that he's doing. One is called Check Out My Dad Pod, which, which is I about love. being a stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. And one is called Wicked on Wisconsin, which is all about Wisconsin sports. He did sports talk there for a long time. Um, 
And so that's giving him an outlet for now. But I worry about in the long run, if he'll feel emasculated, if he'll be resentful, if he'll, you know, any of those things, I don't get that vibe from him right now. But it's also... I feel like there's months, there's different not. there's different types of people. 100% there are some men that could never do what he's doing. They could not stay at home. They could not like you said for their ego and pride switch it up like that and let you be the star, let you be the one bringing home the bacon, if you will. So mm-hmm. the thing is I feel like your kids you have 3 under the age of or well now Britain is 1, but you have 3 within a year and your mm-hmm. oldest is 1, which is a situation I would say the tiniest percentage of the population has ever dealt with. So he may, on the other hand, I've had friends that have been stay at home moms up until their kids are like in preschool. So they take a three to four year break and then they go back in. So do you think he's been talking about that? He, you know, he says that when they go to school. Yeah. I mean, you and I both know that taking a, a break like that from this industry is not recommended. No, it is not. Um, it is not. And you're very top so, of mind. Radio. Right. Um, and I don't know how much staying in the podcast realm will, you know, help uh, keep a foot in the door three, four years from now. Um, but he talks about that. And that's what he says that he'll go back and, you know, when they get closer to school age. Um, I just don't know if that's going to be able to be in in media or if it's going to be a new kind of career for him. Uh, I guess we'll wait and see. So right now you how old are the twins? They are almost two months. So you Maybe have two months next week. You have two two month olds, and I have a three month old, which is biz- yes. but I have two much older children. But now you and I have now three kids all together. So yeah. I will say, what is the biggest part that surprised you in an easy way, as in something that you thought was going to be hard, but is now actually just become normal and easy to you about having three kids less than a year apart because i mean i'm sure we'll get into the hardest part but like what is the best part about all of that um i think um watching my husband shine as a father is really awesome um and he's just like really rocking it so um i am forever grateful for his support and all that he's doing for all of us um and you know, back in the day, pre-kids, we were um, we were kind of partiers. Not gonna lie, we went out a lot and stayed up and didn't sleep much. And um, I think that prepared us very well for the lack of sleep that three babies can bring. Um, so while I'm tired, don't get me wrong, I am tired. But I thought I would be more tired. Quite honestly, I, I think your body is uh, crazy. I mean, yes, you, you're tired, but ask it, me again. There's a way of functioning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you just get used to a certain piece. I'm, right before you and I pressed on the microphones, it was like, no, I need my coffee. Yes, I want sugar in it. I need creamer. Like get my coffee ready. Yeah. And I'm the same yeah. way. I mean, I truthfully every morning I can't wait to go get that first cup of coffee. And I just know mm-hmm. that we'll make it through because I still have a four and a half year old, almost five year old who still doesn't sleep through the night every night. So, oh, my goodness gracious. So well, I'm knocking on wood. I'm sorry. Does, uh, for now. <laughs> So my oldest sleep we'll has see. slept through the night since he was four months four months old. My four and a half year old rarely has slept through the night for a full week in her entire four and a half years of life. My newborn sometimes is doing better than she is. So oh you just God. never she just wants know. To snuggle her mom. She That's does. All. She does. Um, what is? I mean, clearly it's hard. But what? What mm. has been the hardest part of specifically the closeness and age between the three? 
I think um, it's realizing that uh, we'll never leave our house again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, um, you know, you can get a babysitter for a child. Sure. And you can get a babysitter for two kids. But you need two to three babysitters for three infants. And that's expensive and not realistic unless you know my hope is that i find like a 16 17 year old girl who has two good girlfriends and the three of them can just come over and like <laughs> you, eat pizza and watch movies and take care of our kids and we can maybe have a date night once in a while you need like the babysitters club but just for you like just, amen ju- sister just that for is your house. real life so is yes. your mom assisting now that you guys are back close to her yeah um so Going back a little bit to your question before feeding into this question, having been married before, it's super, super important to me to continue to invest in our relationship. And my biggest fear in all of this is that we get so wrapped up in these three kids that we don't take care of us, like the us, the two of us, our marriage. And um, that's really, really important to me. You kind of have to, you know, you can't stop dating. You have to date forever. Um, And so having my mom and my sister around has really helped. You know, Valentine's Day was just a few weeks ago. And it was a different kind of Valentine's Day for sure. We don't have the money to do the things we used to do. Mm -hmm. But I did get them to, um, you know, come over the Saturday afternoon uh, following Valentine's Day. They were here for three hours. We got to go to a movie, um, you know, and just like get out of the house, blow the stink off a little bit spend some time together um you know we're probably not going to go out at night anytime soon because that's a lot more to take care of but you know everybody was down for a nap when they came over they didn't have to juggle all the feedings and um you know we timed it out well that you know we could kind of sneak out and do that kind of stuff so my mom and my sister are super helpful in that realm um and that's also really my biggest concern in all of this is just making sure that he and i are solid so the rest of it runs smoothly. I think that's so important and something that not in a, there's, as if there's a manual to anything, but just mm-hmm. to a relationship in general, it's like, yes, you're a mom. Yes, you're a dad. But don't forget to be the husband and the wife, too, which I at the end of every night, I feel guilty for like watching the clock thinking, is it almost bedtime sometimes? But it's also mm-hmm. because I look forward that, to that 45 minutes to an hour before we pass out. It's just me and my husband in bed. It's just us talking. Sure. It's just us watching our favorite TV show and eating Mm -hmm. snacks that we shouldn't be eating that late at night. And Mm -hmm. it's, we call them late night date nights and that's what we learned to do. Or we used to go on nap time dates, just like you said, we want to go out on the late night ones because I mean, I'm still breastfeeding right now. Like I want to put my baby to bed. I don't want to have to pump again, but if I can wiggle it around in the middle of the afternoon, I mean, things just perspective shifts. What the extravagance or let's go on a crazy date night or go a weekend away turns into, I'm satisfied with three hours in the afternoon without kids on me. Or Mm -hmm. my husband and I, our uh, anniversary was five days after I had had our third baby. So we literally went and got like Cracker Barrel and ate it on the couch. And that was literally the nine year wedding anniversary. And I was like, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Um, the one other I thing I know that 10 year you're going to live it up a little bit more 10 year is this year in November and I'm like okay my daughter will turn a year old the week prior to her anniversary so mm-hmm. again what am I willing to do will I still be breastfeeding like but we are tra- we're right we are saying we have to do something for our 10 year like even if it's just a weekend we'll, we'll do something yeah um it may yeah. not be the all out all inclusive resort for 10 days that we thought it would be prior to getting pregnant with number three but okay. um and I wonder if we'll ever get to do something 
like that again. I know, I know. That that's like, you know, I'm sure maybe we will in 20 years, but like, will we get to go away for a week in the next 20 years? Will that be feasible monetarily taking care of the kids? Yeah. Guilt wise, like, will oh, I want the guilt. to be away from Ugh. them that long? Um, but that was stuff that he and I did together quite frequently before. Um, and who doesn't love to go do things like that? So I think about those kinds of things. And that's really what is the hardest part about all of this is just really re um, examining what the new norm is. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that conversation because, after again, our kids were getting older, and that's when we had the third, and my husband and I were talking, and I was going through like old Facebook albums, and I was like, look how much we used to travel, and I was like, we can't do that anymore, and I thought, I've never been to Europe. Am I ever going to go to Europe? And my yeah. husband's like, of course we will. And I'm like, but will we? Because you can't just go to Europe for a weekend. You can't go to Europe for a week. That's at least 10 days. Am I willing to be away from my kids for 10 days? Do I want to put my parents through dealing with my children for 10 days without right. me? It is a very weird kind of identity crisis at first that I don't think a lot of people prep you for because you still feel like your old self in a way, but you know you right. can't be that person anymore. And hey. Flipping men. It's yes. so hard of an identity crisis. And then you add like you and I going back to work and then it's like a light mm -hmm. switch. Like on Monday, you're just supposed to go to work. You're supposed to be that program director. You're supposed to get back on the air, put back on your quote unquote normal clothes. And it's like, but wait a second. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm not that person. I don't right know now. what normal clothes even fit me anymore. Let's <laughs> I don't be know. honest. I've got I've got a skin skirt that hangs down in front. The twin skin that will be there. Oh. I I asked my OB about it when I went for my six week on Monday, and she said, "Oh yeah, she'd had twins too. Twin skin that'll be there forever." I've like, never heard of that okay. twin skin. Like it's just extra, like almost like a. I hate to say the word flab, but like skin that's just so stretched yeah. it can't go back. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, now granted, it's been seven weeks, so maybe it'll go back a little bit. But not that I ever had the flattest stomach to begin with. However, I can tuck my flap into my pants. It is like a real thing. It is not cute. Um, I put deodorant under it every day out of paranoia because it's almost like a third armpit. Um, it's gross. It's super gross. There you go. Wow. Pull back the curtain for you. Pull back the skin flap for you. The skin flap. So how are you healing? Like you said, you've had three kids in a year. How's the yeah. rest of your body? Like internally, how are you doing? Um, I did some physical therapy when I was pregnant with the twins because there were some muscle groups that never really got to um, recoup from pregnancy one before pregnancy two kicked in. And most of that was like back stuff. Um and I still have some back things that I'm probably going to be working on. I just actually, while we're talking, Mike is downstairs getting the treadmill in a good spot so I can see the TV um, because I need to just kind of start getting some of those. Now that I've gotten the clear from the, the doctor, getting some of those um, body parts moving again that really haven't done much in two years. Um, and you know, we'll see. I uh, am very aware of postpartum issues. I've struggled with depression and anxiety my whole life. So I'm staying very aware of that, staying on my medication, um, you know, getting a new therapist and psychiatrist and all that stuff here in Des Moines. I don't feel like I'm in that place, but it's something that I'm hypersensitive about. So definitely keeping an eye on all of that. And I also think that that's something that um, 
women need to be aware of for their spouses as well. Like, you know, Mike's life has changed just as drastically as mine has in the last two years. He didn't have the pregnancy to really get used to the idea. Like, you know, we get pregnant sure. and our lives just change. We don't drink anymore. We're tired. We don't go out, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, especially with my first pregnancy, like he could still go out and live it up and I could drive him home. And, you know, his life didn't necessarily change that much. And then the baby's born and it just does. So I'm really trying to keep an eye on, does he have some sort of postpartum situation going on and, and keeping a close eye on that as well? That's so healthy. And honestly, I've never thought about it in those terms. Cause in my mind, I'm like, they don't have to go through it physically, but mm -hmm. mentally they do yeah. have to go through such a drastic change. And I think it's so healthy just to, as opposed to feeling like, oh, I failed. I'm not healthy and I have to ask for help. I did something wrong. No, it's postpartum depression. It's hormones. It's massive life changes. I feel like anytime you go to see a therapist or a doctor and something like anxiety or depression is happening, one of their first questions has been probably going to be, have you gone through a major life change? Well, mm -hmm. let me tell you about the last two years in your, yeah. your case, Everything. especially. So, I mean, you sound like you're doing amazing and I will be sending you all the happiest wishes on your first day back to work. I was a crying mess my first day back to work after this baby. So I hope that you're not the crying mess that I was, but if you are, know that day two is so much better than day one. And you're an amazing mom. You, you have the craziest story. If TLC ever hits me up and says, do you know of someone for a reality show? I do. And <laughs> I will send them your way. You know, we we aim to please. We are here to entertain. It's a go big or go home kind of environment around here and so far so good. So I appreciate that. I'm honestly more concerned about Mike than I am the kids. Hopefully he can juggle, you know, three 12 o'clock feedings. We'll see how it goes. Um, but it's going to be an adventure. The rest of your life is going to be an adventure. And I'm so mm -hmm. thankful that I'm friends with you two and get to watch it along the way. And thank you for piping in in the lovely city of Louisville today. And I love you to pieces. We will probably not be meeting oh, in Napa anytime gotcha. soon. But if I am in the central states, I will come and visit you. And maybe yes, one day, I definitely want to see you. You can still come in town for Derby. Just bring all the kids. They can play with my kids and we'll just have six kids running around and it's fine. Listen, start prepping your mom now. I, listen, my parents are there. Brood. We'll do it. We'll do it. Between us, there's enough adults. We'll tag team. It'll be great. So, Lee, and I love you. Love Good it. luck next week. Aww, and you're you. amazing. Thank and I'm so you. proud of you for what you've accomplished in the last two years. And you're just an epic human. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm thankful that you're in my life, friend. And thanks for having me on your podcast. Love you.